guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hesslein. Hey, Meredith. Unfortunately, no Ohio State football to talk about, but still a lot of other things happen, so excited to talk to you today. For sure. Um, But I have to say, like, how spoiled have we been that we've had Ohio State football this weekend for the last four years? Or I guess four years previously. Right. It feels so weird that we were not in the Big Ten championship. And it doesn't make it any better that Michigan ended up being the winner of it. So not a fan of this feeling, but I guess it's bound to happen. For sure. Um, But overall, uh, not at all an exciting championship game to watch, unfortunately, either. Uh, Michigan very much dominating Iowa from the beginning. Um, Although I will say in the first half, it was really just a matter of a couple plays going the wrong direction um, or Iowa would have very much been right in the thick of things. Right. I mean, it wasn't too much of a blowout in the first half. I was still thinking Iowa maybe had a chance, but Michigan just totally pulled away in the second half and it's pretty ugly. Iowa did not look good at all. So unfortunately, Michigan was the better team again. Yeah. Well, the good news is uh, the Big Ten is better when there's more better teams in the Big Ten, right? Um, And so as much of a bummer as it is that Ohio State is not in the college football playoff, uh, it is, I suppose, good for the conference that uh, there is a strong Michigan team in the playoff race. Uh, And, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about toward the end of the show is a very strong performance from Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, who is the progeny of another Michigan State defender uh, from back in the day. Um, But, you know, certainly another really strong performance on the national stage for him. Yeah, um, obviously he's a Michigan player, so I don't love him, but I did watch a special that Game Day had on him over the weekend, and he seems like a really nice guy. I like the story about him and his father both playing for Michigan and the legacy, and clearly he's had an amazing year, so kudos to him. Again, he did great against Iowa. He had a great game against us last week, so yeah, definitely a great story and a great player. For sure. Um, So all in all, uh, the championship games this weekend, with one exception, really went largely as expected. Before we get into what happened down in Atlanta, uh, Megan, did you have any thoughts on any of the other title games that we saw? I was absolutely shocked about Oregon and Utah. Right? Like, literally, I thought, okay, Utah did beat Oregon earlier this year, but Oregon has to be the better team. Like, come on. But again, it wasn't even a close game. They got blown out. And I was really hoping for a rematch in the Rose Bowl against Oregon. But, hey, Utah is just a better team, I guess. And they proved that against Oregon again. So now we get to face them. But... Man, I was just shocked by that game. Yeah, it, you know, it's one thing to beat a team once and to beat a team the way that Utah did to Oregon just a few weeks ago. Um, To do it twice in a season, 
like that is that's just bananas. And like you said, perhaps, you know, Utah just had the magic that first game during the regular season and were able to come out and beat Oregon um pretty decisively. Uh, but no, it's it's pretty unequivocal at this point that Utah is clearly the better team. Um, and I hear you in terms of being matched up against Oregon in the Rose Bowl game. Uh However, after what we saw against Michigan last week, I don't know if Ohio State is really that much improved or would have a better result against Oregon. Just being I mean, honest. Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. But hey, I would have liked a shot at least. But I mean, I'm still a little bit nervous for Utah, clearly, the way that they handled Oregon. So either way, it'll be a good game. So I'm excited for that. Definite yikes heading into that game. Uh, certainly not in the bag for Ohio State. Um, but wanted to touch a little bit on the SEC title game, um, which was definitely a shock. Uh, yeah, apparently Georgia is not as good as we all thought they were. That was a total shock to me. And all along, I kind of suspected that Stetson Bennett couldn't really handle, um, you know, facing these bigger and better teams. And that was definitely proven against Alabama. The offense, the Georgia offense just could not get it done. It was not good at all. Alabama totally exposed them. And now, of course, they're the number one seed, which, I mean, it, it was bound to happen, I guess. I, what's just challenging to me, though, is was this the same Alabama team that we saw all year? Or is this just what we get from Nick Saban coach teams when it comes to the postseason? Because we all saw the Iron Bowl last week. Uh, Alabama just decided to turn it on against, frankly, a much less equipped Auburn team um, when it came to be the fourth quarter and overtime. Um, they did not put together a complete game. And then you turn around just a week later and see what they were able to do with Georgia. Um, this it, it was just really, really impressive. And even without Jamison Williams in that first half, um, what Alabama was able to do against a defense that we really thought was um, probably the best in the nation. Um, it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. I mean, I thought Georgia was the one team that was untouchable this year. Like, I truly thought that they were going to win it all, no problem. I honestly thought they were going to crush Alabama. Like, as you just mentioned in the Iron Bowl last week, literally last week, Alabama – didn't look great at all as they have the whole season. They haven't looked like their usual dominant selves, but I guess SEC championship time, Nick Saban flipped a switch and so did his team and they returned to their usual Alabama dominance. So, I mean, I guess I can't really be surprised, but I really thought this might be the year that Bama might've been left out of the playoff and they might've, you know, suffered two losses, but it's not. It's the same old, same old, unfortunately, for Georgia. Well, at least Georgia still made the field. Uh, also, we need to address the fact that Jamison Williams was not even the fourth best receiver on Ohio State last year. That I keep thinking about that. Like, it's just crazy how loaded our receiver room is that – one of the best, if not the best receivers in the nation, couldn't even cut it here at Ohio State. Like, 
it's crazy to think about, but I mean, I don't think we would change anything. Like you're not going to sit Olave or Wilson or JSN in place of Jameson Williams. So it was just a tough situation. And I'm glad that he finally got his chance at Alabama, but it is very crazy to think about. Yeah. And I mean, some things are about fit. Some things are about culture, right? And other things are about literally he was never going to see the field with that trio that you mentioned ahead of him, right? Um, but obviously now do like making the decision that he did, uh, he's certainly well positioned for his NFL future. Um, you know, it must be nice when you're one of two receivers that Bryce Young can throw to instead of one of three outstanding receivers. Right. I mean, yeah, that's basically his team. He, he gets all the receptions, he gets all the touchdowns. So I mean, good for him. He's getting his spotlight season this year, so happy that he finally got the chance. But I still think Ohio State's in a better position because we got three Jameson Williams when there's only one of him on Alabama. Yeah, take that. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, Alabama did make the playoff field. Ohio State did not. Um, so we obviously have Alabama number one, Michigan number two, Georgia number three, and Cincinnati in the number four spot, rounding out the four-team playoff field. Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State on the outside looking in the Big 12 way down the list. Uh, Megan, um, it this has been a weird year in terms of how many different teams we've seen rotate into the top 10, how many upsets we've seen. Um, I think what we what we thought we would see at the beginning of the year is very much not what we ended up with. Uh, at the end of the day, given what we know after championship Saturday, do you feel like the committee got it right? Yeah, I think they did. Um, like you said, totally an unexpected season. Uh, Clemson actually wasn't good at all this year. Um, just crazy up and downs with Iowa being good, Michigan state being good, both of them losing. So in the end, I think the committee did get it right. You can't leave out Cincinnati, an undefeated team. You can't leave out the Big Ten champions, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, I think they did. There's no one else you could put in. Obviously, I wish Ohio State, a two-loss team, could make it in there, but that's just a fan in me thinking. But, yeah, I think the committee did get it right this year. I don't think there's really any room for argument. Yeah. Um, and as we've been alluding to during this entire show, like it sucks to admit, but Michigan was the better team this year. Um, and so definitely deserving of that number two spot in the playoff. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Definitely after the SEC title game, Alabama very much deserves that number one spot. It's just so interesting given the rest of their body of work. Um, obviously just that one loss to Texas A&M, um, but the way that they won some of their games, they just didn't have the style points. Um, and part of why I'm saying this is like, you don't have to win with style points, but given that we're used to Bama winning with style points, it's just, it feels like they should almost be knocked for not having them. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is kind of weird seeing them in the one spot, but it makes sense. You know, they beat Georgia. So obviously Georgia isn't going to be the one seed. So it is a different kind of Bama this year, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. They did suffer that loss to, at the time, unranked Texas A&M, but they bounced back clearly. They haven't won in their typical fashion, but a win is still a win. So at the end of the day, I do think that 
they do deserve the number one seed. Yeah, sad but true. Um, and then moving on to the number two seed, uh, again, it's good for the Big Ten if Michigan does win this title as much as it sucks as Ohio State fans to see Michigan winning. What do we feel like Michigan's chances are? I honestly, I think they're going to make it to the national championship. Um, their defense, I feel like, is just going to overpower Georgia's offense once again, I mean, Alabama has a great defense, clearly, and Georgia couldn't handle them. And Michigan's defense, I think, is one of the best, if not the best, in the country, led by Aiden Hutchinson. So I think that's just going to power them to the national championship, most likely against Bama. And I think that'll be a great game. I honestly don't know who will win, but I think Michigan will advance against Georgia. If nothing else, it would keep us from a rematch of what we just saw last week, which is always a painful situation. Um, But anyway, we've got more college football talk for you coming up after the break. So stay with us. Welcome back. Uh, So... Outside of the college football playoff bowl matchups, we obviously have myriad bowl games. I believe there are 42 bowl games in total this bowl season, um, which feels like quite a lot. Yeah, I feel like it used to be like an honor, definitely not just given out to everyone to be in a bowl game, but wow, times have changed. I did not know it was that amount. That is so many. Yeah, I mean, I'm not – I can't say I'm mad. Like, we get college football through December and even into January, so that's cool. Um, Obviously, some bowls are better than others, and despite missing out on the playoffs, Ohio State did manage to snag a spot in the New Year's Six uh, in the Rose Bowl, as you mentioned, against Utah, which is, in my humble opinion, the best consolation prize that a Big Ten fan could ask for. I totally agree. The Rose Bowl just has so much tradition. It's such an awesome game. And again, like you said, I'm so happy that we're in a New Year's Six Bowl. I'm pretty sure we have like the longest streak in college football of making it to a New Year's Six Bowl. So again, oh, I'm very idea. happy it's the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I think That's I saw really it somewhere. Yeah. Um, wow. Fascinating. Uh but yeah, there's lots of other exciting bowl matchups. Uh, Megan, did any stick out to you on the list? Honestly, I'm still like shocked about Oklahoma State losing. So I think that'll be a good game. But honestly, I'm mainly focused on obviously Alabama, Cincy, and Georgia, Michigan. But was there any that you were looking at in particular? Um, so I was very surprised to learn that uh, Clemson actually turned out to be nine and three this year. Really? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they somehow managed to do that. Meanwhile, so they're going to play Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Huh. Um, so, I mean, I like Cheez-Its. 
I'm down <laughs> to watch a game to see a bunch of cheese it ads. That's cool. Um, but Iowa State's another team that has sort of, you know, drawn the short end of the stick on a few games this year. Um, but, you know, then managing to have those big wins, like when they beat Oklahoma State earlier. Um, and so I was pretty excited. I uh, definitely stopped watching Clemson earlier because I was like, oh, they're really bad. Um, so... Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then the other one is the Gator Bowl. Um, so Wake Forest against Texas A&M. Um, how good are the Aggies? They did beat Alabama. Was that just a fluke? We don't know. Um, and then Wake Forest, uh, you know, having a really historic year and then not quite making it uh, f- to a win in the uh, ACC championship game against Pitt. Um but yeah, that'll be, I think, a really solid game to watch. Yeah, I think there is a lot of good games, actually, because most of these teams were top five or top ten at some point. So we know they're good teams. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. And yeah, Wake Forest should be a good one as well. I agree. Uh, that was a great game in the ACC championship, but... Yeah, obviously didn't win, but I am excited to watch all these bowl games as well. For sure. And it's a really interesting point that you made about a lot of these teams being in the top 10, um, as we talked about earlier, just with this kind of crazy season, uh, so many teams rotated into the top 10 um, to quickly fall out. Uh, Penn State was in the top 10 at one point, if you recall. (laughs) Yeah, this I feel like this is one of the craziest college football seasons that I can remember in recent years. Like at the beginning of the year, we're all talking about, oh, yeah, Iowa's the best team in the country. Like, no doubt they're in the playoff. Oh, no. Now Michigan State, they're undefeated. Oh, they lose. Like there was just so many shocking upsets and it made for a really great, interesting season. Like you never know what would happen each week. So I'm a little bit sad that it's ending, but. I'm so excited to see what happens in the rest of these bowl games and in the playoffs. For sure. Uh, and, you know, we knew that the round robin of the Big Ten East would do a lot of damage to all of those teams that at one point were ranked together in the top ten. Um, but it did make, as you said, for a lot of exciting football. Um, speaking of exciting things happening in football, more changes in the coaching carousel over the weekend. Um Literally, we finished recording, like we hit stop and last week and we saw the announcement about Brian Kelly. Yeah, literally, oh my gosh, it literally broke as soon as we stopped recording. Yeah, it was crazy. But I don't know how I feel about this. I am not a fan about how his players found out that he was leaving through social media. Um, I feel like that obviously could have been handled better, but... I am very interested to see how he does at LSU. I mean, it seems like he's adjusting well already. He's got a Southern accent all of a sudden, so he's got that going for him. But I I don't know. I feel like it's crazy to leave a school like Notre Dame. Like, that is one of the best coaching gigs that you can get in the country. And to leave for LSU, I found that a pretty shocking move. So... I'm very curious to see how he does there. 
Well, I'm not a fan of really anything that Brian Kelly does. I think he's kind of the worst. Uh, and I think one of the most telling things was uh, – so in good – the good silver lining of this whole situation was Marcus Freeman uh, was promoted to be head coach at Notre Dame for next year. So – you know, really exciting opportunity for him. Obviously, a former Ohio State player uh, is now at the helm of one of the most historic programs in college football, not called Ohio State. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I don't know if you saw his interview on College Game Day last week, but I think it was Desmond Howard asked, like, who have your mentors been? Like, who have gotten you to this point? And Obviously, Marcus Freeman was coaching under Brian Kelly for the last year, and he said that Jim Trestle was his mentor and Luke Fickle was his mentor. And it's like, oh, there's an obvious gap here, someone that you did not mention as being a mentor in your coaching career. Um, And so, I don't know. Uh, I think the notable absence of Brian Kelly from that list um, says a lot about Brian Kelly. And how he interacts with those around him. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. That it's very telling about who he is around his coaches and his team. Um, obviously, great to hear that former Buckeye coaches were his mentors. I wish that Ohio State could have snagged him as a new defensive coordinator. That would oh. have been phenomenal. But hey, he's now a head coach. I'm sure he'll do great. Um, and we'll see if he can turn around the Notre Dame program and actually put them in the top four and a national ti- national title contender. So super excited for him. Oh, for sure. And there's I don't know if you saw the video of when he got announced to his players. Uh, it did go viral on social. Um, but, you know, you mentioned kind of how Brian Kelly uh, made this announcement on social and that's how his players found out. Uh, but in a more much more heartwarming moment. Um, Notre Dame shared the video of announcing Marcus Freeman to the players, and everyone was so so excited. Everyone was jumping around and screaming, um, and you can tell that he really has that locker room um, and definitely that support. Yeah, I loved that video. It just made me so happy that, like you said, clearly the players love him. So I feel like they really didn't have that same kind of connection with Brian Kelly. Uh, it does help that Marcus Freeman is kind of a younger guy. can kind of relate to them more, but all around, he just seems like a likable guy. So hopefully he can build that connection even more with his players. And like I said before, just turn around this team. For sure. Um, other, it, it felt like the Bucks stopped at Notre Dame because they finally hired an internal person, right? So they weren't going to pull Luke Fickle away. They weren't going to pull Urban Meyer from the Jags. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, okay, maybe this is the end of – the coaching carousel this year. Uh, but no, Miami fired Manny Diaz and then pulled Mario Cristobal away from Oklahoma, Oklahoma excuse me, Oregon in uh, yet another blockbuster move of this offseason. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's never going to stop, honestly. But yeah, Miami had to do something. There was pretty high expectations for them this year, especially with Derek King returning from injury. Unfortunately, he got injured again. But Yeah, Miami just cannot seem to get back to their powerhouse days. They just haven't been looking good at all these past few seasons. And yeah, I guess enough is enough after this, another disappointing season and Manny Diaz had to go. So interested to see if anything changes with Cristobal being the new head coach. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if there will be much change. I feel like the recruiting needs to step up so they can actually bring in some good talent, but we'll see. Maybe a head coach switch up will be good for them. Uh, Cristobal is definitely a great recruiter. Oregon's been bringing in top 10 recruiting classes the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, to your point, uh, that's definitely been a gap for Miami. Um, and maybe that means that Cristobal is the right person to uh, fill that role. But speaking of other people making off-season moves, uh, the transfer portal is, of course, alive and well. Uh, and Ohio State was not exempt from the news. And backup, 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 backup quarterback Quinn Ewers <laughs> is transferring. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but it doesn't matter now because yeah. he doesn't play for Ohio State anymore. <laughs> this, I guess it wasn't – that surprising because like obviously he wasn't going to see the field with two quarterbacks in front of him but for some reason I was still shocked when I found this out and I just I don't really know what to think like I do feel bad for him like he's young he's homesick like okay understandable but also I heard that he had some NIL deals where he had to get like a certain amount of snaps in order to receive the money and obviously he wasn't going to see the field probably at all next year. And so I don't know if that factored into his decision as well, because obviously he does seem to be very motivated by the NIL, you know, possibilities for him. So I just, I'm wishing him the best. Hopefully he finds a, one of the schools in Texas. He finds a place that he likes, but man, I was still surprised by this news and I don't know why. Well, this was such a shocking story this entire year as it's been breaking, right? Because he changed his recruiting class so that he could come to Ohio State right away. He got a million-dollar pizza deal with Donato, Don, Don, Donato's or Domino's? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Either way, mediocre yeah. pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They always served us Donato's like in school for like pizza day, and it was very Same. gross, but I still have like a soft spot in my heart for it. <laughs> I mean, hey, if I got paid a million dollars, I would act like it was my favorite pizza too. So, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> but definitely, like, it's just been fascinating from start to finish because there's no, there's been nothing normal about his story, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because he was one of the first players to be massively impacted as NIL changed this year, uh, or excuse me, the rules around NIL changing in the off season. Um, you know, his decision to move to take advantage of roles. Um, and it's just, it's just really, really interesting. And then obviously his transfer when it turns out that the quarterback ahead of him, um, as we'll talk about in a minute, had a Heisman level season. Right. Uh, I mean, it, and as you said, definitely hoping for the best for him. Um, he's still an outstanding talent. Obviously the number one recruit in his class or what was his class at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And so he's going to see the field somewhere. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like I said, and you said, he reclassified. So technically, he's a senior in high school. And we all know that Coach Day said that he did have some trouble adjusting um, to the team and to the playbook and all that. So I think sitting behind a Heisman finalist in CJ Straw this year was probably good for him. Um, he got reps in practice. He learned, you know, the college style of football. So I think this was definitely a good experience for him. And 
like you said, he's going to play somewhere. He's a great quarterback. Um, so, yeah, wishing nothing but the best for him. Absolutely. Um, but speaking of uh, the quarterback who was ahead of him, um, CJ Stroud is one of four candidates uh, who will be heading to New York for the Heisman Trophy presentation, which is super exciting. Um, so Stroud is going to be joining, go figure, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett, which is also pretty cool. But then here's the kicker, uh, as we alluded to earlier, um, Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson is going to be rounding out that group. I feel like Michigan's game against Ohio State really put him over the top because he had three and a half sacks in that game and the whole country went wild for him all over Twitter. Everyone was saying how he should be a finalist, how he deserves it. And obviously he is and he does deserve it, I believe. But it's always fun seeing a defensive guy as a finalist, kind of a switch up. But I think that he took Kenneth Walker's spot, which was kind of shocking that he wasn't named a finalist. But something different. I love seeing a defensive guy as a Heisman finalist. So all these are great candidates. And I have a feeling I know who's going to win, but maybe I'll be wrong. Who knows? Maybe we'll be wrong. Uh, So Bryce Young, I didn't realize this. And it is a very interesting thing. Did you know that he, if he won, would be the first quarterback in program history at Alabama to win the award. Really? Oh my gosh. Think about it. Last year it was Devontae Smith and they've had their share of running backs, but it's never been a quarterback. Wait, Tua didn't win? Nope. Not at Alabama. Huh. That's crazy. Cause yeah, you consider Jalen Hurts was there, Tua, Mac Jones, and yeah, they all must've been finalists, but wow, that's very shocking. Cause literally just in the past few years, they've had great quarterbacks and they haven't won. So That'd be shocking. And honestly, I think he's going to win over Stroud, just especially with the game he had this past weekend. But man, that's crazy. Yep. Uh, And I did just have to Wikipedia to uh, just to be sure. (laughs) Um, He did win the Maxwell Award and the Walter Camp Award in 2018. Um, Was a consensus All-American. But no, he did not take home the Heisman. Gotcha. Fascinating, right? Yeah. (sighs) What a world. Um, Well, that's all we've got. Uh, Before we wrap up the show, Megan, shall we do our shout outs? Yeah. So I'm going to shout out who I did my weekly column on this week, the Ohio State women's volleyball team. I was lucky enough to go to one of their postseason games this past weekend, and they won both the first and second round, so they advanced to the Sweet 16. So super happy for them. It's been such a fun season following them. So hopefully they do great against Georgia Tech on Thursday. Amazing. Go Bucks. <laughs> Go Bucks. Uh, love it. Um, I'm going to shout out two folks who we've already talked about today in the same sentence, actually. That's Marcus Freeman um, for being named head coach at Notre Dame uh, and having – a really solid season as a coordinator um, and continuing to carry that Ohio State brand uh, to another great program. But also going to shout out Luke Fickle because as much as as Ohio State fans, we wanted to see Ohio State in the playoff and kind of were hating on Cincinnati a little bit all year. Uh, it's pretty cool to see 
Luke Fickle lead a group of five team into the playoff for the first time ever. Um, so amazing accomplishment. And hey, hopefully he beats Bama. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've said in the past, I'm not a huge fan of Cincy, but got to root for the underdog. And Coach Fickle went to my high school. He was a state champion there. Oh, that's so cool. yeah, got to root for the hometown guy. So yes, I like both of your shout outs this week. that's all we have for today as a reminder you can follow megan at megan hustline me at meredith hine and the site at landgrant 33 we'll talk to you soon thanks again for listening to play like a girl and as always go bucks